Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown Series 2, Episode Number 11. We're in London, England. It's World Title Triple Header Fight Week this Saturday from the OVO Arena in Wembley, live always on the zone. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. We're fast approaching Regis Progray's Matram debut. Rougarou joins us to talk next Saturday's World Title Defence in New Orleans. Yusuf Kamari and Reese Bellotti are on the line together to discuss this weekend's British title eliminator. That's coming up on the Inkish Dry. The machine, Anthony Fowler, well, he talks his retirement and next life steps as he takes on the Alias Apron weekly challenge quiz and the highly rated 1-0 Chris Deck Basil Dua is under the spotlight ahead of his second professional fight next weekend stateside. That's all coming up on today's show, so don't go anywhere. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome one of our newest signings, WBC super lightweight champion of the world, Regis Rougarou Progway to the show today. Regis, first of all, when the decision came to, to looking at your options, obviously you've worked with Matram and Dazone before when you boxed Josh Taylor, but why was this a move working with Eddie Hearn? What Eddie told you, that the aims he had for you, why was this a move that excited you, mate? Oh, man, it was just more, I was, I was more of a priority with Eddie. I just felt like, you know, of course, you know, I, they flew me out to Vegas. Tyrone flew me out to Vegas, and Eddie met me in Houston. Eddie came sit down with me and had dinner. You know, so right before the right before the Canelo fight, he was going to Guadalajara for the Canelo fight. So he came out to Houston. So it just felt more of a priority, a priority, a priority type of thing. That's all. I was more prioritized. You know, I felt over with Eddie with Matrim. You know, so um, that's the main thing. And he just told me, you know, listen, we, you know, it's a it is a short term deal, but we gonna, you know, I'm his his aim is to get me the big fights because. And that's what I want, you know. I don't, you know, I don't care who I'm fighting, bro. I just want the, I, I really do want the big fights. And um, you know, he told me that's the aim. The aim is to get, you know, get, to get me the big fights, even inside of those street fights. And if not inside of those three, you know, we'll, we, you know, I most likely I'll still be working with him right after the contract is over anyway. So, um, you know, he said that that is the aim to to give me the big fights, and then like I said, I'll be more of a priority over at Matchroom. Do you think that's something that's always set yourself aside, Bridges, from from other fighters, not only in the division elsewhere, but a bit of a throwback mentality that you, you truly want to challenge yourself against the best? Yeah, I mean, that's what I want to do, bro. I mean, like, I just I do, I just want the big fights. Of course, obviously, the big money fights, but, you know, it's right now, it's just so many, like, so many fighters at 140. There's so many big names and so many good fights. So, uh, you know, that's that's what I want. You know, I just, you know, it, it is a lot of names out there. And I, hopefully, you know, I can get all those, you know, get the biggest names, get the, you know, the biggest fights, the belts, the names, the fights, just everything, all those things. And, yeah, I, I think that does separate me. I don't want, you know, I don't want the, you know, easy fights. You know, um, I think somebody like Errol said, he, you know, he don't take tune-ups. I don't, I want to fight. I want to fight, Um, you know, I want to fight the big fights. I want to fight the real fights. I want to fight the big fights because me, you know, what I look at, you know, I want to be on, you know, like, I feel like I'm like, a few fights away from being on a pound for pound list. So, you know, I need, but to be on that list, you do have to have a good resume. You have to have good fighters on that resume. So, you know, that's what I want. Well, one thing Eddie, Eddie has delivered straight away is a fight in New Orleans, a fight that I know you're excited about to, to be on home soil once again. I know you boxed Terry Flanagan there before, but for us as a matchroom team, coming over, whether it's the food, whether it's the music, whether it's a great atmosphere at the boxing, what can we uh, look forward to in New Orleans, uh, Regis? 
Well, New Orleans is just first off. I mean, New Orleans is a city like no other in the whole world, bro. New Orleans is like a party city. It's like you can you can party, you can have you can. It's just like a fun city. Like the people there, like the culture is like they. You know, obviously we gonna have our time on this earth, but you know the the culture out there is like we live easy. Have like let your time go by easy. Let the you know what we say is let the good times roll, and that's just kind of what it is, bro. Like you know, a lot of people it just. That's the culture there, just to have like have a good time all the time. You know, that's you know, that's I mean, um, I think that's what y'all gonna expect when y'all get there, you know, to expect like have a lot of culture, have a lot of fun. Um, just it, it's just just like I say, the people are, you know, the people are real nice and welcoming and the culture is like it's it's like a culture like no other. Like I've been all over the world. Obviously, I haven't been, you know, everywhere in the world, but I've been a lot of different places and, and I really I still haven't met up like been to a place like New Orleans before. I just want to talk to you about your mindset. I mentioned being the throwback fighter that you are, but obviously you, you were scheduled to fight Liam Paro. That was a fight that a lot of people were talking about as being a, a great fight and one that people were looking forward to. When you heard the news that, that he'd been forced out, change of opponent, uh, how did that impact your mindset? What did you have to do just to, to reset yourself a little bit? Um, Really nothing, bro. I mean, I don't care. I, like I said, I don't. I really don't care who I'm fighting. You know, um, Liam Paro is a left-hander and Dan Lethal is a right-hander, so all we had to do is change our sparring up. That was the that's the thing. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't you can't fight a left-hander like a right-hander. So certain punches might work, certain angles might work, certain angles might not work, and you know, so on and so on. So you know, for me, I just had to adjust mentally, adjust to that, and um, change up my sparring partners. And we did that. You know, I mean, we did that real good. I was um I was still in New Orleans in camp when we heard the news about that. And we changed the sparring partners up from left to right handers, and you know we've been going, you know, going good ever since. So, um, it, for me, bro, it, it, like I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I'm fighting. Um, you know, I just want to go out there and fight. What do you know, Regis, about Danielito Zarilla, and and how do you see yourself beating him in this fight? Um, the only thing I know, I, I saw him. I mean, I know, you know, he's, I, I say undefeated. He wasn't undefeated. He lost to Honor Barboza, and you know, um, in the ten round decision, I think. That's the only thing I honestly, that's the only thing I know about him. I really don't, I really didn't watch him too much. I, I probably watch him a little bit maybe today. But um, I mean, I, like I said, bro, I don't care about who I'm fighting. I just want to go out there and perform. I feel like, you know, whoever I fight, they have to worry about me. I don't have to worry about them. Um, you know, I'm I, I do me. I train hard every single day. Um, you know, I've been running through my spawn partners, all that stuff. So it's just like I wanna go out there and perform and have fun and, you know, just have a good show for New Orleans. Let's talk about this division because it's such a great division in, in boxing at the moment, a division that you're a massive part of. And you've got new matchroom stable mates who are calling for a fight with yourself. One of those people is Jack Cattrall. He's keen for another world title shot. What do you know about Jack? Is he, is he a fighter and a challenge that you rate as well? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, listen, I, I think Jack is, um, you know, I think Jack is a, you know, he's a good fighter. He deserves a shot at the belt. You know, I think I definitely felt like he won against Josh Taylor. So he does deserve a shot at the belt. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe me and um Jack can do it after this, you know, after what's next. We'll see. But um, yeah, I think I think Jack is a good fighter. And we me and me and him, we've been our name's been linked for a few months now, maybe even like a year or something like that now. So it's like, yeah, we we was actually supposed to fight um I think a few months ago, but it just it just never came to fruition. But now maybe that fight could, you know, maybe that fight could happen. So um I feel like he does deserve a shot at the belt. So we'll see what um of course obviously you know, after this, I got get I got get past next weekend, and then after I get past next weekend, we'll see. I'll talk to Eddie, and you know, let's see what's on board. You know, I know I have a bunch of bunch of big fights on the table for me. You know, so you know, I know he's one of them. I mean, I heard like Devin Haney, um, Adrian Broner called me out. So I mean, it's a lot of big big fights out there for me. So 
you know, um, after, like I said, first off, I have to get through Daniel Lethal first. And then after, after that, you know, if all goes well, then, you know, I'll talk to Eddie and see what's next. So, you know, maybe me and Jack or maybe me and somebody else, you know, for me, it, it don't matter, bro. I just, like I said, I, I do want, you know, I want the big names. I do want the big fights. You mentioned Devin Haney there, but Eddie, Eddie mentioned that Devin phoned him the other day. They had a little bit of a chat and, and like you just said there, that, that would be a massive fight, wouldn't it, between you and Devin Haney? Right. That would be, that would be a huge fight too. You know, so um, it's like I said, man, it's, it's a great time to be me right now. It's a lot of big fights out there for me. Um, just trying to figure out, you know, like I said, I have to get through this first, and then after I get through this, you know, one person at a time. But you know, I know, you know, boxing fans tend to look forward. So you know, for me, I'm gonna do it one at a time. Then after that, let's see what happens. We of course worked together on the Josh Taylor fight. It was a a great fight. The fight didn't go your way, of course, on the night. But how do you look back on on that learning experience now, Regis, and and how it sort of created a, a new hunger in the monster we see today? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm just way more hungry. I mean, first off, listen, bro, I, I still feel like I want to fight. I feel like if the fight was in, in you know, if it wasn't over there, I think I, I feel like I was still, I would have won the fight. It was a close fight. I don't say I got robbed. You know, people, I think now people tend to, they 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 say robbed for everything. Now, even when it's close, they say, oh, he was robbed. He was robbed. I wasn't robbed. I just felt, I still feel like I won, but I wasn't robbed. I just feel like if it was over here, I would have won. But, you know, after that, it just made me way more hungry. You know, I, I told people, I always felt like I was still a world champion. Like, my mindset never changed to say, oh, you're a former world champion. I always felt like I was still a world champion in my mind. And I told people, I'll be a champion again. And people was like, man, they was looking at me like I was crazy because I had a I had an um, option to go up to 147 and fight Maurice Hooker. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm going to be a world champion at 40. I, why would I go up to 147 right now? I know I'm going to be a world champion at 40. And for me, I mean, I stuck to my guns. You know, I had a nutritionist. I got the 140. I've been making 140 easier than I've ever been. And I'm a world champion again. So um, it just, that that fight just made me way more hungrier and, you know, to be where I'm at again. And I'm I'm glad that I stuck to my guns and, you know, I'm I'm right back at the top of the division. And you said you won all the big fights. We know that. But that fight in particular, because it is the only blemish on your professional record, there is probably a bit of animosity in terms of how you feel that the decision went that night. Is that a rematch mm -hmm. that, that you're certainly interested in at some point? Of course. Of course, of course, of course. That's I mean, listen, if I had to pick any fight, that'll be the first fight I want. You know, that'll be I'll definitely want that fight first more than anything else. Um, you know, obviously I don't know what's gonna happen with him and Tio and if he's gonna stay at 140. I don't know. I don't know none of that stuff. I don't know what's going on and stuff like that. I see. I see. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with none of that stuff, you know, but you know, for me, that's the fight I do want. But at the same time, right now, like it's it's a lot of other big fights out there for me right now. So, you know, um I, I like I want that fight, but it depends when it comes around. It depends on you know how um you know what else is what other options they have out there for me. How do you see that fight going, Regis, between Josh Taylor and TFMI Lopez? If you, you were to pick a winner, um, I got Josh Taylor. I mean, I think Tio mentally, bro. Tio, I think Tio is um he's crumbling. He's saying all kinds of crazy stuff. He's been like that for a while now. I think he struggled against you know he struggled against um Sendo Martin. Um, and Sandor Martin is, you know, he, you know, he, he's a, you know, he doesn't have too much of a big punch. He's a southpaw, he's a mover, but he doesn't have too much of a big punch. And he still, he still dropped, um, Teal. So, um, I have, I have Josh Taylor winning. Um, it's, it's, it's a, actually, it's an intriguing fight because both of them are coming off really losses. I mean, you know, I think, well, bad performances. I, I think that Jack Hatterall beat Josh Taylor, but with Sandor Martin and Teal, it's like, uh, I mean, you know, Tio, Tio just didn't look good at all. So 
yeah, like I said, with both of them, I, it's an intriguing fight. Both of them have to really have to do something, really have to prove something. You know, you hear things, you hear the whispers about Josh out there in the UK. You hear the whispers about Tio out here. Um, you know, so I don't know. I don't know who's gonna win, but I well, I I feel like I don't know who's gonna win. Like mentally, I don't know what's going on with between them in their head, but at the same time, I feel like um I feel like Josh should beat him. Well, Ray, just final word from you. It's so great to hear your insight on on so many exciting fights. We know you're going to be involved in massive fights as we move forward together. But June 17th, of course, the Matchroom official debut. What's your final message to the fans on the zone of why we can't miss this one, mate? Um, I just want people to come out, man. Um, you know, obviously if you, you, you can't um you can't come out definitely watch it on the zone, but I just want people to come out as many people as possible. Um, you know, New Orleans is a is a fun city. It's a definitely it's an untapped market that, you know, uh, for boxing. I, I feel like I definitely feel like, you know, we, we are gonna do good. I think, you know, tickets are supposed to be going good right now. I feel like we're gonna have we're gonna do good, we're gonna have a good show. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a, just a nice performance overall, just for the city, the state and the city. And um I just I can't wait, bro. I'm ready to go out there and have fun. That's what I do. I, I I love boxing. I have fun with it. And um, yeah, and just want to let people know, man, we got tickets as low as twenty dollars. So, you know, it shouldn't be no excuse for people to come. And it's Father's Day weekend. So I had a couple of my famous friends, they called me, they're like, man, I'm coming out there because it's Father's Day week. I'm bringing all my kids and stuff. So um I think it, yeah, it's it should be a it, it should be a it just should be a fun night overall. And you know, we got special guests coming, we got celebrities, all kinds of stuff like that. So um, I feel like it's definitely going to be a special night for New Orleans. Rangers, I think you could have a, a job as a promoter at some point with that sales pitch. That was top draw. I probably, I probably can. Yeah, Eddie have to give me a job, but right now, right now, bro. Once I'm done boxing, then I can, you know, I can, I could definitely be a promoter for sure. <laughs> Rangers, Progray, thanks so much for your time. The start of a very exciting journey. It begins June seventeenth from New Orleans live, of course, only on Design. Rangers, thanks for coming on, and we'll see you next week. For time. All right, man. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Well, it's got to be said that we recorded 90% of the podcast this afternoon as part of Media Day, and we had to delay a little bit. The UEFA Conference League final has concluded, and producer Scott, who is a diehard Tottenham Hotspur fan, if you if you notice a little bit of melancholy in his voice, he has got the raving hump that West Ham have won a European trophy tonight, haven't you, Scott? Yes, you've stitched me up here. You've done this section of the pod intentionally after the game. <laughs> I think it was your idea, mate. I think you're you know what? one here in Glow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not far wrong there. Yeah, I'm pretty um I'm pretty gutted to be fair. It's a lot of things I want to say, but maybe for another podcast. One thing I will say is though, our press officer and good friend Dan Barnard will be having a good time tonight and um maybe a little bit fragile tomorrow. Is that fair to say? You like I'm to think sure. so. I'm not sure we'll see him at the press conference tomorrow. You'd like to think he's fragile. I mean, how long has it been since they've won a trophy in or any any trophy since nineteen eighty, I think. So oh, time. fair play. Hope he has a good night. Better night than I'll have for sure. Yeah, congratulations to West Ham and, and all our Hammers listeners as well. We're involved in a big week. Of course, it's a, a boxing podcast. We're not going to talk too much about the footy, but we had obviously the media media day today in the, the Fight Week Hotel for Sonny Edwards and Andres Campos. I think for Sonny Edwards, you know, love him or hate him. One thing he's doing, when you look at the face-off today, the numbers it did, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's bringing eyes to a division in boxing that doesn't perhaps always get the love that it deserves. You know, the, the, the smaller weights don't tend to get spoken about in the same way as the heavyweights. But, you know, he's, he's bringing eyes to the sport and he's a fighter who not only talks the talk, 
But I think personally, and, and Eddie thinks as well, one of the best pound for pound fighters in Britain right now. And very excited for this journey to begin, Scott, on Saturday. Definitely. I didn't expect that today, to be fair. Um, I was thinking about what was the trigger? What was the trigger? Campos doesn't speak any English. And then I thought, he's done a long day of media. I think he was up at 7.30, correct? 7 a.m. Yeah. 7 a.m. 7 a.m. And then that face-off was at 5, 6 o'clock? Yeah, 5 p.m., yeah. And let's be honest, those sort of media slots where you're going around different studios, different locations, are back-to-back, you know. So um, maybe that's maybe that's something, you know. It's sort of been built up throughout the day. Probably didn't want to do certain bits and bobs, but it's all part and parcel of being a, a world champion. And then um, going eye-to-eye, face-to-face for the very first time, he's probably just snapped. I've never seen him like that before. You know, he does... He does like a chat. We know that. But, yeah, a bit of spite towards him. I kind of liked it. I think he's basically, the, the, what I got with him, I did a great sit-down with him earlier today, and he basically said that Andres Campos and loads of people from Chile and all of Campos's team have been in his Instagram DMs for a couple of years now asking for this fight. And I think, in particular, Sonny got the hump that when he was face-to-face with him, he wasn't saying much. I think that wound him up because he felt that he'd been goading him on social media for quite a long time. And then when they were face-to-face, he didn't get much out of him. Obviously, the language barrier plays a part in that. But I think even in his demeanour, I think Sonny was a bit disappointed in him. And I think it's led to him, like what he said to me today, is he wants to make an example of, of Andres Campos on, on Saturday night under the lights and show him, in his own words, what delusion looks like. So, interested to see how he goes about that. Yeah, I suppose on the flip side, and you know, this is not my opinion, but and you sort of weigh things up and consider things. Maybe Campos has kind of felt like, well, look, I've I've done what what I sort of set out to do. I baited you for two years, so now I'm here yeah. without using up too much sort of nervous energy. Yeah, he didn't retaliate at all, but maybe that's all part of his plan. A few good fights on the card. Three world title fights, of course. Really excited for Ellie Scottney. Ellie is one of the nicest people in boxing. She's a pain in the ass to get to do interviews a lot of the time, but she spoke brilliant today, and she deserves... All she gets, at least she's been waiting for this for, for a little while. Uh, but she's in for a tough fight and she's going to have to be at her best, I think, to, to beat Shanika Johnson this weekend. Yeah, very tough fight. I think that's maybe been overlooked a little bit, to be fair. You know, Johnson's very skilled and the other side to her is she can be in a bit of a tear up and dig deep when required. So, it, yeah, it's going to be a tough fight. Just going back to, to what you touched on there, I think Ellie's personality, the fans haven't really seen what we see behind the camera. She, she's actually really funny. She's, she's, quite cheeky. she's quite cheeky. She's got a great sense of humour, but just unlocking it. It's, we, I say we, I suppose in a, in a way it's down to us. We haven't been able to price it out of her. And it's probably, you know, she's got a shield up and is a bit reluctant to do so. We know how serious this is to her, you know, boxing is her life. So I guess it's all, all sort of business with her, but yeah, there is so much more to, for what you see. Um, hopefully Saturday she gets the belt and then maybe we can start um, turning the dial and, and bringing out the real Eddie Scottney a little bit more in front of camera. Well, I was texting her earlier on this evening actually when the football's on talking about her ring walk music. She's got a cracking tune lined up. She always tends to do that to be fair. Good taste in music. Terrible choice in football team. Crystal Palace supporter. But we'll uh, we'll let her off for that. But I think, uh, you know, just chatting to her, she seems really relaxed and we actually said to her nan, it's quite a character from what I've heard uh, in and around the Catford area. Apparently everyone knows who she, she is. She's 98 years old. She tells Ellie when she, she thinks she's looking a little bit overweight. She criticises her performance. Apparently she watches the footwork when she watches her fights. So she's quite the uh, the boxing fan. 
And we, Ellie said that when she wins the belt, uh, God willing, we'll take her to to see her nan uh, and do a really nice piece on on her and her family down in Catford. So that's that's something to to keep your eye on and look forward to. Just run through a few of the fights this weekend. Looking forward to Nini Hughes, obviously late-ish standing, Katie Healy coming in, but she's full of confidence. Shannon Courtney, of course, forced out of the original fight for that WBA world title. Chev Clark versus David Jameson, I think perhaps sleeper of the whole show. I know we talked about Yusuf Kamara and Reese Bellotti being a, being one to look forward to and before the bell, but I think Jameson and Chev Clark uh, could be a, a belter. Yeah, well, you was up close and personal with Jameson today, and I think you, you sort of text... Um, He's a unit. He is yeah. a unit. That, that was the exact words you texted a few of the um, WhatsApp groups. Was you a little bit surprised? Was you taken back? Nah, just like the, the he looks in really good condition. And he, he looks like someone who hasn't rocked up here for a payday. He looks like someone who's trained really hard. He said to me today, look, he took the, the Mikhail Lowell fight on really late notice, was doing quite well in that fight. I believe he, he injured his jaw as well, which obviously saw him lose that fight. But he said he's had a full camp for this Chev fight. He's seen enough. In, in Chev's opening six fights to, to believe he can beat him. And I think it's uh this is, Chev's gonna have to beat his best to to win this fight. But I was chatting to Sam Noak, Chev's trainer today when Chev was going through his obligations and he was like, mate, like the better you better fighter you put in front of Chev. I know it's a cliche, but you'll truly see the best of, of Chev Clark on Saturday night. Yeah, he's got that pedigree, isn't he? So yeah, he's got he's got the gears he can probably go through. We probably haven't seen too many. So uh, it goes without saying that Jameson is the best opponent Chev's boxed in a professional ring. So it'd be interesting to see if he can you know, accelerate and, and sort of go through those gears, get the get the job done, and then be in line to potentially fight the winner of Lawal and Chamberlain if they rematch, uh, not rematch, reschedule their their bout from uh, a week or two back. Absolutely, and of course we've got the return of Johnny Fisher and his army of fans from Romford making their way down to the OVO Arena in Wembley and a few youngsters to look forward to on the cards. George Lidard, third fight for him. Muhammad Ali making his second professional outing and, of course, the matchroom debut of Shannon Ryan, but all man event focus does go to Sonny Edwards. He's uh, He's been talking the talk. Sure, he'll be walking the walk and looking to set up some massive unification fights. Bam Rodriguez, El Rey Martinez. So we wait for further interest on that one to develop. Scott, we didn't actually do a podcast last week, but two weeks ago, it was a massive weekend of boxing. Lee Wood became world champion once again. Chris Billum-Smith beat Lawrence O'Coley and Mick Conlon. We had Mick on the podcast in the build-up to his fight with Bernardo Lopez. Very unfortunately, disappointingly for Mick, wasn't able to to win the world title in his hometown. But, you know, we, we had Steve Bunce on and he said it's bad for the sport in the sense that it's splitting the fans. But everyone seems to be talking about the sport of boxing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It was difficult at the time, wasn't it? We obviously had the Wood fight going on at the exact same time as Conlon. I think Akoli was delayed for some reason. So the timings didn't sort of sync up to, to the original plan of, you know, a staggered ring walk sort of approach for the three. So it was a bit chaotic and drip feeding info and trying to keep track of them all. Um, but yeah, look, boxing goes through good phases where it's, you know, the in sport and then something bad will happen and everyone's, Slating it at the minute, yeah, I guess it's kind of in a bit of a lull, really. It kind of feels like it's a bit of a calm before the storm in a way. We've obviously got a great fight in the states, penned in with Crawford and Spence. That we kind of need a, another couple of the, the big hitters, should we say, um, signed, sealed, and delivered. And maybe one of them is Edwards and, and Rodriguez because I do think that is genuinely one of the best fights in boxing. So hopefully that can get made. We've obviously got the big boys as well, which need to need to um, sort of play out, uh, and hopefully it's a, a really strong second half of uh, of the year. Is Bam coming over? Have you heard anything on that? 
Yeah, I was just having a quick peek in the hotel rooming list. It looks like he's in from Friday, so we shall see. Um, that can obviously change pretty quickly, but that'd be great if he is. Well, I've actually just thought about that. So for the listeners who are watching the live show on Saturday, not that I'm bigging myself up, but I'm going to be the man in the ring doing the post-fight interviews at the main event. So I guess I'm going to be the man in the middle if Sonny Edwards decides to have a scrap with Bam Rodriguez as well. Unless Campos upsets him, my friend. You never know. Funny Ooh. things have happened. The best thing about this game is you just never, never know. Well, as soon as we saw the news on social media over the last 48 hours or so, that our good friend, um, a great servant to the sport as well, in Anthony Fowler, had decided to hang up the gloves. We knew we had to get him on. We knew we wanted to have a chat with Anthony to just hear from him about what influenced this decision and, and what he feels are the next steps for him now as a dad as he moves forward in his life. Anthony, first of all, thanks so much for coming on, mate. And just talk us through, I guess, the reason that now you felt was the right time to hang up the gloves and and embark on the second journey of your life, as I say. Yeah, just I had a bit of a, a, bit of a mad year, and I? I had two babies in 11 months. It was a bit chaotic, and it was, a bit, it was all a bit messy. Like, um, my partner was really struggling being at home, pre- pregnant at first, and then with my newborn son, I'm pregnant again. She was really struggling, so... I decided to bring bring them to London with me and get a house down in London. It was it was just a proper hard environment to train with. Like it was um obviously me little son was awake all night and my partner was pregnant. She couldn't do much and then she's complaining and she's tired all the time. And I am out the house all day in the gym. It was it was a bit of a hard like I've always been fairly like mostly on my own and I on my own selfish ways where I'd go away and camp by myself. No distractions, it was just me, me coach, and I just work all day, twice a day. But when I had the family and the kids, it was a lot different, and I found it really, really hard to adapt. So I decided to um, have a little bit of time out while my little girl was getting born. And then by the time she was born and I bonded with her, Shane fought me for a fight, and I was like nearly 15 stone. I thought, fucking hell, Shane. I was like, look, mate, I can't start her up in three stone in eight weeks. And he was like, well, what are you doing? I was like, mate, so I was like, Shane, what mate, I'll be honest, I haven't even missed a sport, mate. I've just been that busy with me, little girl, me little boy, me business. I've got I've actually got two businesses. I actually got a property company as well that does really well where we we buy houses, do them up, remortgage them, and it's just dead easy money. And obviously the, the CBD, I'm very passionate about that. So I just stepped that busy, mate, and I thought, you know what? I'm in really, really well. I'm not getting punched. I'm not like Potentially gonna get dementia when I'm older and stuff like that. A lot of fighters who, who I, I looked up to with kids, a kid, and I meet them and the fight's slurring and a little bit punchy. It's a, it's quite scary, mate. You know, when you're in the sports and you're looking like you're like legends and like, you can't string a sentence together, it's quite scary as well. I guess for you as well, Father, it's always a big question when when you speak to fighters immediately after retirement. And I always use Darren Barker as an example, someone who's who's very content. You achieved a lot as an amateur, obviously a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, a world bronze as well. But can can you hang your head now that you feel proud as well with with what you've achieved over your journey amateur and pro? Yeah, obviously, I, I in my opinion, I, I underachieved as a pro a lot. I could have achieved a lot more, and I was like, I think my last fight, like last February, I was, I was only thirty. Just I just I just turned thirty one. Sorry, so I still could have done another five six years and achieved a lot more. But when I weigh it up, like, is, is it worth it for me? When like I don't really need the money necessarily. I have had to come to terms on my last fight that I wasn't going to become world champion. Like I, I had a lad from Poland who was a um, tough lad. He was durable. He was tough, but 
I thought, I can't stop him. I'm, I'm going to compete with the likes of Charlo, Golovkin, these big names, I thought. I could definitely win a European, definitely win a British, but is it worth doing a few more years of putting my body through hell for for two belts? You know what I mean? I just, I just have to like, when I thought I could become world champions, well, it half like disheartened me a little bit as well because that was always my goal. It was never to be European champion or, or British. It was always world. So when I thought like, I'm looking at the top guns and thinking, well, I can't beat, like, stop this fella. And he said, I'm not going to beat the likes of Golovkin and stuff. It's a bit disheartening for me. And then I thought, maybe i just call it a day and then, I just did, and when I did, me I haven't really regretted it. I've, I feel a lot more happy in my life now. Like I'm, I'm not like watching what I'm eating. I'm, I'm always in pain. I'm always got pressure on my shoulders. It's quite a lot. It's a lot. It's nice. It's a nice feeling to just eat what I want and not always be constantly watching me weight. Like I shouldn't have been boxing eleven stone. It was quite crazy looking back. Like when I was in school, I was sixteen. I wouldn't be tight at, at at eleven stone when I was sixteen years of age, and then I somehow managed to. Keep the same way for 14 years, which is quite crazy, thinking about it. <laughs> in terms of the memories, you can look back on, Fad. Obviously, we had we had so many good nights with you. Some went your way, some maybe didn't, but there may be some of the more memorable nights of, of your career. Of course, the, the rivalry and the fight with Scott Fitzgerald. What, what's your finest and, and proudest moment that you look back on now, do you think? Um, I was I had this conversation yesterday with someone, and I said the, probably the, the best win I had with it, which I was really happy with, was when I beat Brian Rose. I, after losing to Scott, after the loss of Scott, I was really um, disarmed. I was so overconfident for going to that fight. When I lost, it was a, proper, it was a bad like kick up the ass, and it was hard to get to rebuild myself. And then obviously, I went to a high pressure main event fight against Brian Rose, where most fighters have like a little, a little warm up. I went straight in with a former world title challenger, former British champion, and he was a capable fighter. So it was all the pressure on me for that fight. Like I felt, I felt really nervous. I wasn't nervous at any of the other fights. I was I wasn't like that phase. I just I just thought what'll be will be. But on that fight I felt like if I lose this fight, yeah, I'm in a bad spot. I haven't really earned much money yet and I'm a little bit I will be in a bad spot. So for that fight, that was like more relief that I won it than anything. And in terms of the best you shared the ring with, amateur or pro, like I say, very decorated amateur, Commonwealth Games, gold medalist, uh, world bronze. But who who would you say, whether it's sparring, amateur, pro, who who's the best? You shared the ring within your time, do you think? I'd say the lad in the Olympics, um, Susanna Bach, his name is, he's actually world champion now as a pro at middleweight. Um, he was really, really good. Him. He was really fast, powerful, hard to hit, good footwork. And I, I, I got him first round in the Olympics as well, which <laughs> bit of a bit of a nightmare draw, but he was um, a really, really special fighter. So I'd say him. And obviously, as a, as a pro, Lee Smith is, is easily the best of box as a pro, but as a whole, I would say that that Kazakh was, was quite special. And in terms of now, Fowler, obviously the, the goal, as you said, was always to become a world champion. Now it's to be the, the dad that you want to be and, and, and be there and watch your kids grow up. For, for young pros now who are, who are coming through and finding their feet as professionals, as someone who, who's been there and done it and, and hung the gloves up now, what do you think, now you can look back in hindsight, your, your message of advice would be to them? I'll just say, the main thing you could, I could say is keep your feet in the ground. Like, me, especially with the Scott fight, I, I got a little bit carried away for us. For us, it was getting a bit easy in there. I had nine fights, knocked eight out. Two of them was an easy win, and I got a little bit overconfident in there. I got a little bit cocky for us. I, I just needed to show up, and I was going to win. So I, I definitely say keep your feet in the ground, and also maximise your earnings. Like, make sure you, you're smart with your money. Like, I was always really, really smart. 
every time I every time I had fight, I wouldn't really I'd have a little Aldi and the rest of the money would go towards property. It all got banked into property. I didn't I didn't live a lavish lifestyle and do all silly things. So every time I'd box, I'd buy a new house or I'd put money towards another house. So now that I have I always knew there was no pension, I always thought when I retired from boxing, no one's gonna give me a pension. You know what I mean? So I always thought I need to have my own pension and my properties now and my pension, they're like making me and me family the feeding us basically. So it's it's important to invest your money wisely. Well, let's talk about some of those ventures that you've you've been, uh you've immersed yourself in, and I think it's fair to say you've got a bit of stick on maybe from fellow fighters uh, along the way is the, the CBD venture, Fowler. But in your words, how can this change people's lives, and how proud of this type of venture idea that you're involved in, mate? Mate, you know, you've seen where it started, me on my own and my dad going to the post office to where it is now. I've got I've got eight staff now. I've got a, a full team. The office is always rammed with orders. We've got like celebrities, footballers, Olympic gold medalists, dancer, nice stars, all promoting the brand. It's like, it's gone mental because it's that, it works that much. When I first tried it, I couldn't believe how fast it worked. It worked, it worked for me a bit faster than morphine. I, was, I had a pure sore jaw from sparring. And I took it, and within like 20, 30 minutes, my jaw felt like 90% better. And since then, I thought, wow, this stuff's unbelievable. So I started working alongside another company. And then this lab was a bit of a um, crazy cokehead, so I couldn't really deal with him. He was just doing like promise and stuff, and he was fulfilling orders for, for customers, and they were complaining to me that I paid for this and I didn't get it and stuff. So I thought, you know what? I need to just do this myself, where I, where I know I'm in, I'm in control. So I, I done it myself. I spent a lot of money investing in it because I knew it'd work. And it has worked for me. Like, we're going to be, this time next year, I think we'll be the biggest in the whole country, the way the way it's gone. Like, we're doing three times the numbers now we were doing last year because I'm putting all the effort into the CBD rather than a part-time, like, business. Now it's like a full-time business, so it just went so, so busy. Well, Alfada, we, uh, we're proud of you, mate. We're proud of your journey. We're proud of what you're doing now. And, and we know you're going to have a great life with your kids as well. But I do have to say, we move on to the business part of this chat now, which I mentioned to you just before we started recording. It's called the Alias Apron Challenge. It's, it's a truly shocking name for a quiz. Uh, I, blame <laughs> Scott, I blame Scott for that one. Uh, Scott blames me, but I'll let you decide who you want to believe in that one. Essentially, mate, you're going to get 30 seconds to name as many of the fighters as you can. Scott's going to give you the fighter's nickname. The top three will receive a donation to give to a charity of their choice. And you've been involved in some massive fights. You spent weeks on end down a university dorm in a little cell block room and used to train for big fights at Kenya University. But I wonder how is the pressure and the nerves ahead of this quiz, which is such an important one? I'm shaking like a leaf here, mate. I'm going to hand over to uh, to Scott, who's going to start the clock, and uh, we'll get going. Scott, you ready? Yeah, Jamie, do you want to give us a three second countdown, and we'll uh, we'll begin. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, and go. The Frill, Jordan Gill, correct. Kid Shamrock, James Metcalf, correct. Doctor Iron Fists, Fatali Klitschko, correct. Dazzling. Darren Barker. Correct. Tito. Uh, Fernando. Serendad. Nope. <laughs> Go on, carry on, skip. Uh, Hands of Stone. Have we done that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not yet, have we? No. no not yet. Hands of Stone. 
I'll pass. That is the time up. That is Rebecca oh, okay. Duran. Fowler, I think you're joint top mate. So congratulations with four. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Fowler said Trinidad to Tito. I'm inclined to give him a point for that. Did he? Oh, <laughs> you know what? I didn't hear him. Yeah. I didn't say Trinidad 100%. I thought, I thought that was right. I think, you got the first, I think you got the first name wrong, but you definitely said Trinidad. Sorry, I got the four. I thought you said Vargas. Okay. Oh, well. Jamie, I'll, um, I'll blame Zoom for the, the dodgy connection there. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, you, you're definitely in the mix, Val. Basically, what we do, we're a pair of blaggers. We don't actually know who sits anywhere on the leaderboard. Everyone who does it, we just say, oh, I think you're in the top three. But what we'll have to do is uh, go back and listen back to it. But I think that's definitely a strong score. So, uh, well, you know, you might... You might it's a supreme CBD bank account for the charity. <laughs> you, uh, you, 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 Fowler, you might not have won a world title as a professional, but to finish in the top three of the Alias Apron quiz <laughs> just as it, good. Means, it means a lot, mate. It means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Fowler, it's uh, it's always a pleasure. We're going to miss you, mate, coming down the gym and, and building up to big fights with yourself. But sure, you won't be a stranger. Sure, we're going to see you around. More than welcome at every show we have around the world. You yeah. know that. But yeah, thanks so much for your time, mate. Thanks, mate. I still, I still love the sport. I still be ringside, but I'll be sitting there fast for the pint, rather than rather than then they get taking the punches. Well, this week coming up on the Ink Is Dry today on the Matchroom Boxing Flash Knockdown Podcast is a fight to take place live on the zone this Saturday night from the OVO Arena in Wembley. A fight that is probably the biggest sleeper on the card. A fight that has fight of the night. Potential written all over it. It's an eliminator for the British title between Yusuf Kamari and Reese Bellotti. Let me come to you first, Yusuf. Yusuf, first of all, great to have you back on a matchroom card. You've bounced back from defeat. You've put a couple of wins together. How's your mindset in fight week heading into this fight with Reese Bellotti? Do you know what? I'm I'm feeling great. Um, camp's gone very well, pretty much the best camp I've had. And I'm just looking forward to the fight, you know. These are the type of fights I've always longed to be in. You know, good fights that the fans are going to enjoy. You know, not fights where it's pretty much all in your favour. This is like, I believe this is a fight that, you know, both of us going to go into full steam ahead. So, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the fight week. And yeah, I'm just ready to go. Have you, Yusuf? You, you said you never met Reese just before we, we started here. But how long is he a fighter that you've been familiar with him? And, and what do you know about him as a challenge as well? Do you know, Reese has been around. He's been around a long time. I remember um, in my amateur days. Um, I think just before he turned pro, I was I was in the amateurs. So I saw him being the amateurs. Didn't actually meet him, but um, obviously I saw him coming up in the pros as well. Um, I rate him very highly as a fighter. Um, he's 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 one of the he was one of the best that I was watching when he was on his come up on his come up. So yeah, I mean, I know a lot about him and and, and look forward to sharing the ring with him. Well, let's get uh, get the man involved himself, Reese Bellotti. Reese, likewise, feeling that I just said to Yusuf, so good to have you back. You're certainly the man. You can never write off. You might have been beat. You might have had setbacks, but you bounced back with a big win over Dean Dodge, didn't you, last year? Just talk to us about your mindset and and why this is a fight with Yusuf Kamari that excites you, mate, as well. No, like you say, I think it's been a, it is a big sleeper. People have been sleeping on this fight, man. I mean, like me and Yusuf are good fighters, and uh, not not a lot of. Coverage, I don't think it's been enough for the fight, to be fair. I've been looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a tough fight. i uh, prepared for a tough fight and uh, it'll be good on Saturday night. You're prepared for a tough fight, Reese. You've been involved in, in some big fights with some good opponents. What do you uh, expect in terms of a challenge from, from Yusuf Kamari? What do you think makes him the fighter he is? 
Uh, at this current stage, obviously, where obviously I've had a few losses and coming back, this is probably going to be one of my toughest fights to date because of the obviously big pressure for both of us. We both need to win. Um, for the, like all that concluded together, makes this probably going to be one of my toughest fights to date. How are you finding the extra pounds race to, to play with up at Super Feather 130? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's a little bit easier. I mean, yeah, I, I, I certainly enjoy making Super Featherweight a lot more than I do Featherweight. Uh, that's, that's the only thing I would say, really. It's still, it's still ain't easy, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Yusuf, this is uh, the stage you want to be in, and I think you'll probably say this is a step towards where you want to get to, towards British level. Um, this fight, in terms of the pressures that come with it, I suppose there's pressures on, on your shoulders for every fight, but why is this a fight that you believe you have to win this weekend? You know what? Um, I was watching. I was watching uh, Eddie do interview the other day, and he was saying there's so much on the line for for, for both of us. Um, and it's almost like both of us trying to cement ourselves back, um, with the platform and back as as big TV fighters. And I think that's what's on the line because that's where we both want to be. Um, you know the saying goes in boxing: uh, styles make fights. Um, me and Reese have styles that I think are gonna gel really well in the ring. And like you were saying earlier, this definitely has fighting that potential and. Most probably fight of the year potential, you know. This the, the, the styles are going to gel so well that I think it's it's, it's going to be a cracker, and it's going to be one of them fights that I remembered. I think. Reese certainly has the advantages in experience, probably Yusuf. But in terms of yourself, what what do you back about yourself that separates the pair of you at the minute? Is it that freshness? Just just talk us through it in your own words of of what you see as some of the keys to victory for yourself on Saturday night. Do you know what? I just believe in myself. I believe in my technical ability and. I believe in what I can do and I believe that's what's going to take me over the line on Saturday. Um, I take enough away from Reese. He's a fantastic fighter. Like I said, I was watching him from when he was coming up even recently against Dean Judge. Dean yeah, Dean Dodge. <laughs> um, he put in a fantastic performance to get the stoppage. Um, but yeah, like I said, I believe in my technical ability. I believe in my skill and I believe it will take me over the line. Reese Eddie uh, always says you're one of his favourite fighters. He's made that no secret. But he did admit yesterday in an interview that this could be the last chance saloon. If you don't win this fight, do you accept that? Does that add pressure or does that uh, put a bit of fire in your belly that bit more perhaps? Yeah, a bit of both really. Um, obviously, you want to perform well. I always want to perform well. Uh, I still don't believe I'm like anywhere near the finish article. I've got a lot of improving to do. I have improved. Hopefully, you'll see that Saturday night. Obviously, Yusuf brings a lot of different styles that I haven't sort of dealt with before. So, we've got to have more than one game plan. It's not, it's by no means an easy fight. Um, something I'm really looking forward to. Like I say, Eddie, Always sort of says, oh, he's one of his favourite fighters, blah, blah, blah. But that's nothing to me, man. It is what it is. It's a fight and I, and I can't wait for it. I just asked Yusuf this question, Reese, about what he favours about himself. Maybe it is the freshness. But in your mind, what confidence can you take of what you've done in this game so far and how you're feeling and, and the, what separates the two of you on Saturday, in your opinion, what giving you that self-belief? In terms of like records, the only thing that would be different between me and Yusuf would be that I've just boxed more experienced fighters than he has, maybe. That's probably the only thing. Obviously, there's a lot. I'm still... Uh, developing as a technical fighter. Um, like I say, you'll see that Saturday night. Um, other than just the experience of the fighters that I've boxed over Yusuf is probably the only edge you'd see on paper. So I'll have to show you on Saturday night. Yusuf, just the uh, last couple now, I'm going to come to you to, to give you an opportunity. Like I say, not here to stir the pot at all. Uh, two of boxing's good guys, certainly, but ultimately is the hurt business. How do you believe... You beat Reese Pilotti on Saturday night. This is your opportunity to tell him until you come face-to-face, of course, tomorrow at the press conference. You know what? I'm just going to stay calm, stick to the game plan, listen to my coaches um, and see out the game plan that we've been working on um, and just be disciplined. I think that's what's going to get me the win on Saturday night. And everything else, 
we'll have to wait and you'll have to wait to see on Saturday for it to come in action. And for you, Reese, I don't call you bomber for nothing. Uh, what have you seen in your mind when you see this fight? How, how do you believe you win this fight and, and tell Yusuf how you want to win this fight as well? Like you say, it's just it's, it, whether either one of our game plans actually come at, come to action. Like, uh, obviously, we've got a few. If I stay focused in the fight, there's no reason why I couldn't get a stoppage. There's no reason why it could go. I could beat him on points. Is that I, you know, I mean, you've got to be prepared for both, and I am. And uh, I can't wait to show you all on Saturday. You worried about his power, Yusuf? Is that his biggest strength? You worried about it? No, do you know what? Um, I've, I've been in with big punches. I've been watching a long time. I've been in with big punches. I've been in with fast guys, guys that move their feet. Um, there's not a lot I haven't seen in boxing, so there's not much that can really worry me, to be honest. Well, lads, we wish you both the very best of luck this weekend. Who's going to take a step closer to that British super featherweight title? Until we do come face-to-face tomorrow, lads, and Eddie asks you so many riveting questions, I'm sure, at the press conference that you can't wait to hear. Um, just uh, do you have a final message for each other? Perhaps a good luck message as well. Nah, just um, do you know what? Uh, may the best man win. Uh, I've the utmost respect for you, and let's get it on on Saturday. Same to you, mate. All the best. Yusuf Kamari versus Reese Bellotti live on the zone eliminator for the 130 pound Lord Lonsdale British title. This is a sleeper, you don't want to miss this one, boys. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll catch up this week. Well, it's always great when we have an opportunity to talk to these young, up-and-coming prospects coming through the future of the for, uh, the future of the sport. Rather, sorry, it's been a long day. Delighted to say that Chris Deck Basaldua joins us now. Chris Deck, welcome to the show. First of all, let's just talk about yourself. Obviously, you've recently linked up with Richard Moore over at the the Panther House Gym. Just talk to me about how how that came up, and for our listeners, obviously. Richard, the other half of, of our fighter, Ramler Ali. So an interesting little circle there. Well, first off, I wanted to say um, I'm thankful for you guys uh, letting me be able to be part of your podcast. And um, yeah, it's it's great to be to be managed by by Rich and working with Ramler there. It's one of one of the best teams in the world. I also have some of, some of the best trainers in the world. I just have a, a a great a great team surrounding me. Overall, I have great peers, great great people managing me. It's it's truly a blessing. And you've been training with uh, the great Manny Robles as well. We know him really well, obviously. He came over, he was a big part when when Anthony Joshua went over to New York and he upset the apple cart in the corner of Andy Ruiz. But what's it like working uh, for someone like yourself at, at such an early stage of their professional journey with a great in, in Manny Robles? No, it's 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 an honour to be working with him because as an amateur, you you don't you don't sit down on your punches as much. You don't you don't have to sit down and analyse uh, a lot more than in the pros and Manny and the whole team, they, they helped me. They helped me rebuild myself and get ready for the pros. They they helped me restart in general everything, and it's it's worked tremendously well for me. And alongside Ramler Ali, of course, your your matchroom stable mate. Um, what's it like working with Ramler? Firstly, as a person, because she's a great person with a great story. She's got a lot to offer in the ring as well. But she, in terms of advice, as a friend, I'm sure she's a great person to be around. She's a she's an unbelievable human being. She's she's always there for me no matter what, and not just for me. People in general look uh, everything she's done for women, not even just in the sport and and everything. Right now, she I think she um she she sponsored at least I think twenty girls with like two two point five k dollars and for to do go national tournaments. That's that's truly great. And they, she has her own little sisters club. Rama's a great person, uh, a great human, and I'm blessed to 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 work to work alongside her and have her as as one of my my peers. We've had um we've had a few Brits come over to the gym recently. Uh, Muhammad Ali and Hopi Price, two up and coming mm-hmm. matchroom prospects as well. Did you get some rounds in with those guys? 
Um, no, they were a little smaller, but I see them sparring. They're 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 really great. I I, I like their styles. Also, um, some other ones that came were Dalton and and Janae. They're they're, they're great boxers too. I, I I sparred, but Dalton he's he helped me a lot. You sparred Dalton. Yeah, Don Smith. Oh wow! How how was the work with Dalton Smith? It's it was it was a little bit of a chess match. I we weren't really like we were trying to figure out what to throw to each other, but it was it was great. He he always keeps you on your on your toes. He he's a, he always makes you think. And obviously Dalton's a you know very highly thought of fighter over here. He's about to have his third fight. That if he wins, he'll be able to keep the British title for keeps. He's headlining shows. But for you, Chris Deck, at this stage of your career. When you're holding your own inspiring against guys like Dalton, what does that do for your self belief moving forward? It builds it builds your confidence and it knows that that anything is possible. You could you could accomplish anything. You just you just got to keep working and working, and you could reach those heights like how he has and every other great boxer that I've sparred. Is it good as well? Like I know I spoke to Dalton recently about some of the sparring he did over there with the likes of yourself and and also Virgil Ortiz who, who he sparred. And he said it's great just to go over there and and pick up little things off these fighters from other side of the pond. Is it cool for you as well? To see how we do things uh, over this side of the Atlantic and, and add little things to your game. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it, it shows you different different things you could you could work on and like different different styles every other boxer has, and is is great. I love it. I just want to talk a little bit about your amateur record in in the notes I've got here from from our producer, six time national champion, WBC US amateur champion last year, and ranked number one in the USA. When you look to the options of turning pro and, and considering the forthcoming forthcoming Olympics, what what thoughts went through your mind, Christy? It was really hard to be honest. I, 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 my dream since I was little was was going to the Olympics. I always I always wanted to go to the Olympics, and I, I had it right there. I had the, the the trials coming up and everything. I I could have gone to the Olympics, but I we I sat down with Rich and my team, and we thought it's better to just take the opportunity with matching because this is once in a lifetime opportunity as well. You gotta. You got to take whenever you can, but it was it was truly hard because I still won the way for the Olympics. And do you feel you feel content with that decision you've made now to, to move forward? Yeah, I, I do. It's been it's been great because now they don't even you're not even hundred percent sure if the Olympics are going to be made twenty twenty four. And my coach also made a, a valid point that only one person can go to the Olympics, and after that, I mean, I mean, obviously we're we're pulling that week with that I get there, but if it doesn't accomplish, what what, what goes from there? So I, yeah. I, ever since then, it's, it's been great training pro with Matchroom. It's, it's truly a blessing. I've been, it, my, my whole world has changed. Well, your pro debut was back in March, of course, wasn't it? On the Fiero Estadio, yeah. a shutout, mm-hmm. four-round win. How do you look back on, on your performance, first and foremost, just to get going, but to get the win in, in that fashion, in convincing fashion, you must have been happy with that. I was, I was, I was happy with the with with everything that happened in my pro debut. I got the W, but I wasn't, I wasn't that satisfied with my uh, performance. I thought I could have done, done a little better. Um, different things I could have done, and hopefully this coming upcoming July, the June seventeenth, I could I can showcase you uh, an even better Chris Tech Balls to do it. In the uh, in the little gloves, longer rounds, uh, any nerves? Do you, do you feel at home in a pro ring so far? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's truly different. Um, when I step in the ring, it's different. You've seen your opponent without a headgear as well, and just the those small gloves, you you feel faster, you feel stronger. It's is way different than an amateur's. But back out next Saturday. So first of all, I'm grateful for you taking the time. I know you're just about to head off for your spa. Is this one of your final spas of camp now? Yeah, I think today it's either today or Friday. We'll we'll see right now. But I think I think it'll be Friday, most likely. And in terms of how you're feeling, second professional camp, mentally, physically, back out next Saturday, of course, in New Orleans, world title topping card. Just talk to us about how you're feeling only what, ten days away now. I'm feeling I'm feeling great right now. I'm, I've been looking good in my sparring. I've been having a great training camp. I'm training camp, and it's it's gonna be great. And also, it's, it's exciting to have a one uh, my teammate uh, Ramla Lee in the same card. 
in a big card as a Regis Pro Grades, it's going to be good. I just want to, I'm ready. Just want to showcase what I have. We just had a chat with Regis, who's actually part of the same podcast that you're on today, part of the same radio show. And he's so excited. He says it's going to be such an amazing, you know, basically just an amazing day out, a night out in New Orleans. Great, great music, Mm -hmm. great food. It's a great place. Is it a place that you've been in excited to be a part of this big event? Yeah, I'm truly, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's everything you said is true. I just want to, I want to, I want to get the win and then just go out and just uh, experience everything, the food, the music. I already, I already, we've already, I've already been talking to my coaches. I want to try like crawfish, jumbo, I mean, gumbo and uh, beignets. So basically what you're saying is you've got a good little after party plan, Chris Dick. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, of course. We want, <laughs> we want to try everything. I know you were, I know you've known Diego Pacheco a while now. Should all yeah. things go to plan? You interested in, in jumping on his undercard in July out in Monterey? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 uh, hopefully that's in the works. So we, I wanna I wanna be able to fight against my well, in the card of my brother. He's it'd be great fighting in the in the undercard of Diego. Just finally, Chris, that before I do let you go ahead of uh, your sparring session, am I right by saying this is a real family journey for the Basaldoers? Your father, brother, sister, all very much behind you. What does that do for your motivation? Oh, it motivates me a lot. And my family is everything to me. My my brother, my sister, my mother, my father. They they're always there for me. I might be the one in top of the ring, but they're the ones. They're the reason I'm there, and they're they're the real MVPs, to be honest. So I have I give everything to my family. They're they're, they're the reason I'm here. And do they play a role in fight night as well? Are they are they with you every step of the way in the changing room, or do they give you your space? Well, for Mexico, no, no, uh, no one went because my little sister was at nationals, and my fight got planned after the nationals, so they already had their tickets and everything, and they they couldn't. They couldn't um, refund them or anything, so they all went to her fight. But for this upcoming fight, yeah, everyone's going to go to my fight, and they're going to be in the hope they're going to be in the locker room and everything. Great stuff. And for your family, for the fans on the zone, for Eddie Hearn watching, for Matchroom, of course, ringside, what, what do you demand from yourself, Chris Deck, in, in your second fight? On my, on my second fight, is, is, <laughs> just know there's going to be fireworks and hopefully a, a, a way better performance, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement this, this upcoming fight. Well, Chris Deck Basaldo, I certainly want to watch out for looking to move 2 0 as a professional next weekend in New Orleans, live on the zone on the Regis Pro Razor Rilla. Undercard, June 17th. Do not miss it. Chris Deck, go and enjoy your last bar. Thanks for your time. And we'll look Thank forward you. to up next week. Top man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, mate. Well, thanks as always for listening to Flash Knockdown. Thank you to our guests. And thank you to producer Scott. Let me just name the guests as we're always so grateful for those who take the time to come on the show. Yusuf Kamari, Reese Belotti, Anthony Fowler, Regis Progray and Christek Basil Dua. Producer Scott, big night coming up on the zone, of course. You looking forward to this one? Any fights you're picking out potentially as being fired tonight? Final word? Right. Belotti, Kamari, do not miss it for the belt um, main event. As you said earlier on, got under the radar. I genuinely think this will be war. Well, before the bell kicks off, of course, around about 4pm, the live broadcast, the only place you can watch that from 7pm British time is, of course, on the zone, headlined by the matchroom debut of Sonny Edwards against Andres Campos. That one's gathering a bit of fire, a bit of momentum in the build-up. That's Saturday night's headliner. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 